We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. The Kansas City Chiefs have set their initial 53-man roster for the 2022 season. We're here to break it down, discuss all of the happenings of today. Very excited. What's up, everybody? Kent Swanson here on the KC Sports Network channel with my dear pals. Uh, I'm used to throwing it to this guy. Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN, Matthew Lane. Uh, happy 53-man day. I guess we'll go with that. I don't, Happy 53 minutes. Okay. No, we can run with that. Uh, it's interesting to be recording a podcast here uh, in the middle of the day. It's still like semi sunshine outside right now. You know, this is, this is different, but uh, I'm excited. You know, we got some real chiefs news to talk about and get it. Come hang out with uh, BJ Kissel here for a little while with the fresh, yeah, with fresh and clean haircut. What's up guys. It's nice to talk to you guys when it's not just post game and we're all just going through all the emotions that we normally do when the three of us get together, but uh, I'm excited about this. I'm excited. We finally have a roster uh, at least as of Tuesday, it's probably going to change a little bit and we'll talk through uh, look l- kind of looking into some of the tweets we've seen from some of the guys who didn't, at least one guy in particular who did not make it today uh, who will probably be right back on the roster within the next 48 hours, but let's, let's break it all down. Kent. Yeah, let's get going. Uh, there's there's two sides of the football. Football's not special teams, whatever. Uh, defensive side of the football. We'll start there. I, there were some interesting storylines that we were kind of in, examining, discussing yesterday when we were looking on uh, on the lab and, and KCSN Daily and all that stuff. The, uh, the, the defensive line I, it was fascinating to me. We, there's, there's 10 defensive linemen that made it. Uh, it was five, six defensive ends and four defensive tackles because um, Malik Herring and Josh Kando both made the initial 53-man roster. Um, that's fascinating to me. I was kind of anticipating both of those guys. You know, one of those two was going to be off the board. Uh, 
I was I was pretty stunned by that, Matthew. Yeah, we touched on it, I think, a little bit last night on the laboratory where there was an, a chance where they would keep both of them given Carlos Dunlap's Achilles injury that he's been dealing with. Frank Clark's had a sickness that has kept him out of from a few practices. He wasn't the healthiest he had been last year. So there was a path to keeping six defensive ends just for the depth purpose. And that would come, I guess, at the detriment of the defensive tackle position in which we see that happen. The Chiefs keep four defensive tackles with both Danny Shelton, Taylor Stallworth being waived, not making the initial 53-man roster. You get six defensive ends instead. So it's it de- took me by surprise a little bit, but we at least called it out that this was a possibility given the health and the age of some of the defensive ends they had. Um, I did want to throw something to BJ. Craig had a point in the DMs. I think he's busy with you know saving the world or whatever it is Craig's doing right now. Um, he said he wonders if Malik Herring isn't also another guy that might be an IR candidate. He's currently dealing with an oblique injury. He gets through the 53-man roster, then goes on IR, has to miss you know, up to four weeks minimum. Just what would that you – know, could that be an option they're going for? And then maybe they'll come back and bolster the defensive tackle position that looks a little bare right now with the moves they've made. It wouldn't surprise me at all for somebody else because based on what we had seen from the tweets when I was alluding to earlier, it seems like Elijah Lee is the guy who's about to come right back. Uh, based on him saying, you know, keep your 44 jerseys, Kansas City. I mean, I don't know how much more obvious you can oh, he's get than <laughs> he's coming back, <laughs> alluding to the fact that he'll be right back. So we, we've talked about it for the last four days. Everybody's been talking about Blake Bell uh, going to IR for a significant amount of time. Um, it sounds like Andy Reid saying he's not going to come back anytime soon. And Andy Reid to say something like that is pretty telling um, that it's going to be uh, several weeks um, before Blake Bell is back, if not more than that. And so, yeah, I th- I'd say the one surprise of looking at the defense to me was Danny Shelton. Um, mm. But I'm not going to let that be the thing if another player does go on IR and they have that scenario play out with two guys. So if it's Elijah Lee and Danny Shelton come back, but to sign a player of Danny Shelton's, um, you know, what he's done throughout his career to come in, not play a whole lot in the preseason, really not do a lot in training camp, kind of bring him along slowly only for him not to make it. Uh, seems a little strange to me. And so it's by all intents and purposes, we know Elijah Lee is coming back. I think we put that out there now. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Danny Shelton. That's the one surprise in looking at this. And you guys, I know, had been talking about, you know, the DiCaprio boodle, Chris Lamont's, um kind of back and forth and how that was going to play out. And, you know, Chris Lamont's had outplayed him. Uh, during the preseason. So that wasn't a huge surprise, Kent, to me. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was a, su- a big surprise uh, that, that Chris Lamont's made the team. You're you're right. I, I think he's a guy that was very well established as a special teams ace for Dave Tobe. And I think that's, I, I think we all kind of had a feeling uh, that, that Lamont's was going to wind up on this roster. We just all really hoped that it wasn't at the expense of Jalen Watson, which it wasn't, which I... Look, I think I think anybody that's watched the preseason has kind of figured out Jalen Watson's had a fantastic camp, and he's really done everything you could possibly ask to ask of him to earn an opportunity on this team, and it, it paid off. I he he wasn't. I don't even think he was really in 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 question as a bubble player for the majority of camp, and that speaks to what he was able to put on tape, Maddie. I'd agree with you. I think as soon as Steve Spagnuolo just invoked his name on his own when asked about, you know, replacing Rashad Fenton, I think it was at that point that you knew for sure that he's making this roster and he might've already been locked in before that. And 
out, outside the defensive line, the linebacker group, the defensive back room, I think went kind of exactly as most people thought, especially as we got down the stretch. Yeah. Elijah Lee being initially waived, maybe a little bit of a surprise, but I think we kind of see what that's the a, Chiefs are doing there. That's a favor. I think they, yeah. both sides are in agreement. They're willing to help this team. They're willing to help each other out a little bit. Elijah Lee wants to be here. I think the Chiefs obviously want Elijah Lee to be there. They're just getting a little cute with the roster configuration. I think that's all that is. Yeah, so I think the back half, you know, the second level, third level, I think that all kind of went as everybody expected. It was really just the defensive line. I was. It's unfortunate to see DiCaprio Boodle not be able to capitalize on getting those second team reps in the slot cornerback spot. You would have liked to see him really take those reins and maybe push LeMans for that final defensive back roster spot. I just think once, you know, you got that final preseason game and maybe through practice, that one became not that close either because the Chiefs needed their special teams ace, especially we'll get to it on the offensive side, but they may have lost some special teams guys, a lot of special team reps on that side of the ball too. LeMans was going to be hard to overtake, and I don't think Boodle did enough this offseason to do that this year. Yeah, guys, I want to ask your opinion on this because I know you – you guys in the laboratory, you get into it and then we do our own thing. And sometimes we end up getting in the group DMS and we kind of have our own conversations, but Colin Saunders was one of the one, one of the guys that a lot of people, you know, I'd say, I don't know how split it was, but it seemed like there were a lot of people that did not think Colin Saunders was going to make this team. My argument besides the fact that I'm biased and I just like the dude and I want him around, <laughs> but <laughs> is also that it's really hard to find guys of his size and athletic ability. And that I feel like Steve Spagnolo can find a use for a guy like Colin Saunders with his um, quickness uh, and all of that. I think it's a very specific role in a pass in pass rushing situations um, from what I have seen and just what we know from him athletically. But I wasn't surprised for that because you can't find that on the practice squad. You can't replicate, just pull that kind of guy off the street um, where you can with some of these other positions, whether it's bringing somebody up from the practice squad, something like that. I just feel like what Colin brings is really hard to find. And they didn't feel like either he wasn't going to make it through waivers or they do have a plan that he's going to get some snaps and rotations. Cause I know one of the things we talked about on outside the trenches a lot is your best defensive lineman for the chiefs is only still playing 58, 60% of the snaps anyway. These guys are rotating a lot. They want to keep fresh bodies. And so, Kent, were you surprised uh, that Colin Saunders made it? I don't know if I was surprised. I think he earned it. and I, But I think it was throughout the course of the preseason. Like, I think, you know, the, the signing of Danny Shelton put a little bit of pressure on him, and he was really strong after, the, after he got released. Or after he got uh, – sorry, after Danny Shelton got added. Um, I I looked at, you know, Colin Saunders in, in – how like that I was a little bit leery of keeping there because you have a guy like Treshawn Wharton who's more you know he's he's an interior pass rusher right he's not necessarily a, a run stopping player in fact that's probably one of his biggest weaknesses but as an interior rusher he's outstanding and I looked at this roster and I said okay so outside of Derek Nottie who's the guy that's really going to be able to anchor in the middle of the field against the run because Chris Jones and Treshawn Wharton, those aren't necessarily their strengths. Colin Saunders kind of fit into that mold of more of a, I think he's a penetrating interior rusher more than he is a guy that's going to be a an early down run stopper. And so I think that's where this team looked and said, we need guys that are going to be a little bit more capable of doing that. I think Taylor Stallworth was a little bit better at doing that, uh, anchoring in the middle of the field against the run. And obviously, Danny Shelton is just a giant anchor. Um, I mean, that that dude is built to do that. So... I think for Colin, it was roster construction for me personally. But once they brought Danny Shelton in, I think everything kind of just 
you know, hit for him and he played outstanding for the rest of the training camp. I think the big thing was he took a step forward, right? I, you look back and it shouldn't be a surprise that a guy coming from a smaller school when he gets to the NFL took, takes a little bit of time, especially when dealing with an injury that keeps him, you know, held out for the majority of his rookie year comes into his second year. He maybe loses a roster spot to someone like Tershawn Wharton coming along or something like that. It's just going to take some time. And I think you saw at the start of training camp, seeing a couple reps, there's always been flashes in Colin Saunders game, but it hasn't been that consistent. But I think we've seen, we don't get to see every practice rep, but as the preseason games went along, you start to see more consistency. He took over a couple of those games and yeah, he's working against backups or third stringers, but that still wasn't there in the past. So he clearly, I think, elevated his game. Maybe he's been around the league long enough that it's there. Yet, like Kent said, I think he went out and took and earned this roster spot. I had him squarely outside the 53 starting the offseason just based on the way he played in the past and the moves the Chiefs had made. He played himself up and above Taylor Stallworth, above Danny Shelton from, you know, with the little bit of time he got here. Now, I will go a little bit with Kent. I think this run defense in the interior is scary. If they happen to lose Derek Nottie for any reason, I don't love Wharton or Saunders or Chris Jones kind of bolstering your run defense up the middle. So it's an interesting fit, but he still earned a spot. So I, I, I'm happy that he did. I recently went back and found an old lost interview that I had with him from the senior bowl. The first year we got to go, it was just fun to go back and listen to him there when he was, you know, fresher, just out of college, not sure what to do with all the media. It was a fun listen. He's a fun guy. So I'm glad that he finally is kind of getting there and coming into his own at the NFL level. Glad you got that interview in because he had to leave early for, I think he had a baby while during did, the yeah. senior bowl. That <laughs> yeah. was like the big story. I remember running into you guys and seeing you guys run around with all your stuff, uh, <laughs> getting those interviews on media day. That was fun. Just eyes um, wide open, sweat, cold sweats. Cause we hadn't been there before. Yeah. yeah you gotta, you gotta crash course and what media the senior bowl is like. And it just, you get, you get 30 minutes with a, you know, 60 guys or whatever, half the team or whatever it was. And just good luck. They're yeah. all covering their names and numbers. You can barely figure out who they are. And then you just see the guy in the corner with a big old smile on his face talking about, you know, I think his daughter getting ready to be born. So that was, that was a pretty cool moment. I remember that for, for Colin, but guys, while we wrap up the defense before we move to the offensive side, and again, thank you everybody who's out there watching right now, please go ahead and like, and subscribe uh, to this video. It helps us at KC sports network, not only know that we're doing things right, but it helps more people find it. That's the way that the YouTube al algorithm works. So we appreciate it if you can like and subscribe and let us know in the comment section, Tucker is producing from behind the scenes and he'll bring some of your comments and questions up. Uh, so let us know what you're thinking there, but guys, uh, I know it's hard because, you know, almost a thousand guys just got released today and you don't know who all of them are. You don't have the, the tagging programs that the chiefs and the NFL teams do uh, for guys that you want, but have you seen any players? Players out there, uh, Maddie. You were just talking about the interior defensive line. Oh, we'll, he's we'll got see. a list. <laughs> <laughs> we'll he's got of course a whole you list. Of course you. We didn't even plan Funny that. You well, that. Funny you mentioned before, that, Jake. Is before we get there because you made it. Oh, okay. I was going to say uh, I was writing about it on the KCSN Substack tomorrow. So just to keep your eyes out for it because that's what's coming up tomorrow over at the KCSN.substack.com. What a say. That's perfect. Uh, you just mentioned the run defense. We still don't know. And I'm still a little, I'd still be a little more surprised in two days if Danny Shelton's still not on this team. And so mm -hmm. I don't know if there's another guy going to IR. You mentioned that earlier. So you talk about the interior run defense. If it's not Danny Shelton, maybe they know, you know, teams know like the player, they can get an idea based on the roster numbers. If there's a guy they like that might get released from another team on the defensive side, Matt, since you have a list, who out there do you like? And are there any positions that you wouldn't be surprised seeing the Chiefs pick up somebody on the waiver wire? 
so the first position that jumps to mind, I think, is just tight end to replace Blake Bell, who's kind of been pretty much guaranteed that he is going to IR. We've heard it from Andy and from her BTOP. So I think not getting a – or if the Chiefs don't bring in an inline blocking tight end, I'd be a little surprised. I think that's a move that they are going to heavily look at. Uh, the defensive side, I'm with you. I think Danny Shelton should come back in some way. But if not, a guy that I liked coming out of college, who's coming out of Arkansas, was McTelvin Ajim. He's been playing for the offensive line there, according to beat reporters, have been raving about him for years and how talented he is. He struggled to kind of put it all together, similar to a Colin Saunders, but there's still a lot of talent there. So he's a guy I have my eyes on. And then Carlos Watkins, he'd be a little bit more of a run defending interior defensive lineman. He's been with the Texans the past couple seasons. He can sit in there, you know, anchor up versus the run a little bit. I don't think he's a guy that's going to turn a lot of eyes, but he can come in, eat some snaps if the Chiefs need someone to come in and kind of help defend the run a little bit. So those are a couple of the guys that we got the eyes on ready for, but there, there will be some more dropping tomorrow for anybody that's subscribed to the uh, KCS and Substack. Look at that tease. This man's an absolute <laughs> expert at this point. Uh, I know I'm with you. Like uh, there was one defensive, like I am not here to dunk on professional athletes that are at the top of their game and are just on the cusp of being on the 53 man roster. But I look at, you know, I look at Malik Herring and I look at Joshua Kando, and I think those are two guys that I think could potentially be um, improved upon at this point. And we'll see what happens with Malik Herring if he winds up going on the IR. Uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see there. But I think those are guys that you can make improvements upon at the edge position too. Uh, I know Kamoko Ture just got released by the 49ers. That's another guy. Um, that um, I would kind of keep my eye on to. Um, I think he's had a, he has a five and a half sack season to his name. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't hate the idea of him. Is it time to move on to the offense? I think it's. I think we've. I think we've gotten this the the, the defensive side about covering. We good to move on to the offense because that's really like that's the only thing that matters. Uh, if you've ever listened to the Casey Laboratory, it's all offense, no defense. Uh, and we only league with defense when Craig's not here. It's perfect. I'm one, ready to talk. One question on okay, defense? Of course. No, no, just one. How surprised are you guys that Jermaine Carter didn't make the roster given the contract? Just given the guaranteed money in the contract. I would have been shocked if he did make it. It's just sometimes the contract tells you a little bit. There being that much guaranteed money wrapped in, I know there was a path to say, oh, nope, they paid him. He's going to make it. And no special teams reps. That's what it was. The, the lack of special teams reps is really the killer there. Like and you're going to pay him regardless, but why keep a roster spot if he's not going to even play special teams? He disrupted one play I can remember, and he was a little bit late uh, on special I, teams. I saw a 220-pound linebacker that never looked super athletic. And so, yeah. like, it, it just – it wasn't a good – if you're a Mike that can't move laterally or whole, like, you got one of those positions, like, figure out a role for you, but – uh, to be 220, not show side to side. I just, I didn't see it from the beginning and it was a numbers thing. And I always made the point, and if they don't end up on the practice squad, the point was moot, but it still ended up the same place that Jermaine Carter didn't make the team. But Mike Rose, Jack Cochran, that you've got young, undrafted free agent type linebackers that you could call up from the practice squad if you need a special team, if you are down to the point where you need a sixth, you know, linebacker. Uh, better to save those spots for guys like Colin Saunders. He might be able to give you some juice in some different ways. 
All right, let's move on to the offense. It's time to kind of get a look at that group. We started with defense. We're trying to move on to the offense now. Um, it's definitely some pri- surprises when you look at this uh, initial uh, 53-man roster for the offensive side of the ball. Um, the Chiefs keep four running backs. They keep three quarterbacks. They keep four tight ends, although Blake Bell will be going on the IR, it is believed. And they keep uh, nine offensive linemen, four tack or five tackles really when they, they, they keep five tackles some interesting things there only five receivers that's kind of your initial breakdown there's a lot to discuss here with this i i, I want to start with shane bouchelle because uh, we talked about called this. it i it was you know it, it it was worth talking about if the chiefs did keep shane bouchelle i think that said a lot about their plans for shane bouchelle in the future i think that you know I think I think Patrick Mahomes likes having Shane Bouchelle in that quarterback room with him. I genuinely believe that. Chad Henney's on the end of his career. I think that there's probably some there's probably some intangible stuff about Shane Bouchelle that Patrick Mahomes likes. I just just kind of reading between the lines. This is this is not source. This is me just kind of guessing. I don't think it makes sense very often to have three quarterbacks on the roster, especially when you have the best player in the world. Patrick Mahomes is hurt. Your season's over. Like you're not making, you're not, you're not winning a Super Bowl with, sorry, you're not winning a Super Bowl with a Chad Henney with a Shane Bouchelle. I think uh, adding three was very intentional for the dynamics within that organization, the future plans. Like if, if Chad Henney's not going to be there, they were getting out ahead of something that they felt strongly about keeping Shane Bouchelle. I'm surprised that this team did it, especially with some of the other n- numbers crunches there, but having a little bit of flexibility um, on, you know, Elijah Lee and, you know, who knows what happens with Austin Ryder here. Like there was some flexibility where the practice squad is going to shape out decently, I think still, Uh, but they keep three. We were all, I mean, I don't know. I don't think any, I don't think me or Maddie or Craig necessarily advocating for three, but the chiefs made that decision. There's obviously a reason behind it. I think Shane Bouchelle is going to be here for a while. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I I can't support three quarterbacks unless you're talking about going into the playoffs. I just, I your third quarterback, you are just as good. If a guy's only your third quarterback, you're just as good signing anybody off of a practice squad or anything like that to go out there for an emergency. They're, the differences between your QB3 and another team's QB3 is so minimal. In my opinion, I understand that systems matter, and that's why when you get to the playoffs and it's an emergency must-win situation, I understand the move. Just start the year, three quarterbacks is a hard pill to swallow. 
I agree with you, though. This means that Shane Buchel does have a future in Kansas City as a backup quarterback. I just think this move makes a lot more sense if Chad Haney did end up retiring this offseason like was rumored or if they were going to find a way to move on from him as well because holding off two roster spots that are only going to be out there if Mahomes gets hurt, which essentially tanks your season anyway, it's just it's an interesting tactic when you when you are dealing with a worst-case scenario kind of situation to me. I'm with Maddie a little bit. I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth because I trust Brett Veach. I trust his staff to know what they're doing. And they, they have all the contingency plans that they've talked through. They've had a lot of these probably same conversations. I just don't know with a roster and in the, the talent that you're letting go of guys who can get snaps, who can step out on the field. If the value created by having Patrick Mahomes feel more comfortable with another guy in that room, uh, if that value is enough to warrant not having snaps from a player that we just let go in order to keep him, because we're not talking about Shane Bouchelle going out and playing right now. Like that, we're not making the decision for that. This is about having that guy long term. I joked with Nate Taylor on KCSN update earlier because that news was already out that what this tells me is that Shane Bouchelle can go buy a house in Kansas City. He can, you know, start finding some schools. He can, he can yeah. get comfortable with what he's doing. He's going to be here for a while. But I'm with Maddie in that I just don't understand keeping three quarterbacks unless there's a market. Uh, I know some people have been talking about it with uh, Chad Henney. Uh, maybe there's a trade there. But in that case, I still am not exactly comfortable if Patrick Mahomes has to miss a game or two trying to win a Super Bowl to trust Shane Bouchelle to go out there and win those games like we would trust Chad Henney, like we needed to see from Matt Moore a few years ago. I just I think the roster is too deep that you just let somebody go that was going to give you snaps at one point or another, even if he was one of your inactives each week. There's going to be a guy that we just let go that could have gotten snaps for us that we ended up wanting to keep a future backup quarterback for. It also tells me that they had zero faith that they'd be able to keep Shane Bouchelle. Because there's also that side of it that they thought somebody was going to snag him. They didn't want to put him on yeah. waivers. Well, they, uh, the Cardinals they wait a few to. weeks and then maybe they wait a few weeks and then release him. They don't want teams yeah. once they get settled into the season. They don't want to make a move then. But uh, I'm with Maddie in that I, I would never keep three quarterbacks as deep as this roster is going to be right now. Well, and they did towards the end of the year because the Cardinals did come come for Shane Bouchelle last year. So that is something that you got to take into consideration. First opponent, first week, Arizona Cardinals. I, I adding three quarterbacks, fascinating five running backs too four traditional running backs and Michael, Mike, uh, Michael Burton. I found that interesting too, just from a pure roster construction perspective, keeping five or keeping four traditional running backs. Ronald Jones is the guy that looked and appeared to be on the bubble. Andy Reid had some nice things to say about Rojo here today. I uh, thought he came on strong, had a, you know, a solid end of the performance, like what he did. Uh, got a little bit more comfortable catching the football. So some of those things that the Chiefs value, it seems like Ronald Jones has improved, has stepped up his game lately here. Because uh, it looked like he was on the outside looking in until, I don't know, uh, a week ago, Matt. It did. Uh, and that's, I guess, with the Ronald Jones situation, it's it's weird because if you're to believe Andy Reid, and I don't, we should, I don't know why we shouldn't at this point in time, but if you're going to believe him, he, Ronald Jones kind of figured out the Chiefs way of doing stuff. He started taking to the coaching a little bit better. He started fitting in more. And that really showed the last couple of weeks of practice and going into that last preseason game. And I think if you watch that game and how he was moving compared to some other of the earlier games, it's pretty evident. But you also have to look at they gave him downhill runs. They finally gave him the runs that we've been pounding the table for them to do for everybody. And they only gave him to Ronald Jones. And guess what? 
they were blocked well. He looked good on them. He ran them very well, but they were also blocked really well. So it's kind of this combination of how much of it was in the preseason game. We don't know about the practice, but in the game, how much of the looking better was based around the fact that the Chiefs kind of played to what we perceive some of the offensive line strengths, some of the running back strengths versus how much was it him actually being better. I also want to say, I hope that means when the season starts, that's what we're going to see. I hope it was a, mm. okay, Ronald Jones, show us that you can do what we want to do during the regular season because you are fighting for a roster spot. He answers the challenge when he's presented with this thing that they're going to see over the next 17 weeks, and he does well. And if that's the player we get on those types of runs, you know, sprinkled in throughout the year, then cool, two thumbs up. It's only surprising to me when you do it in conjunction with the three quarterbacks, which still leads back to the same issue. Four halfbacks plus three quarterbacks plus four tight ends that's a lot of extra roster spots at those positions for me. It also makes sense when you looked at Clyde Edwards, Elaire has been banged up throughout his career. Jarek McKinnon has been a little banged up. And outside of that, you had Isaiah Pacheco. And unless we want a CJ Spiller situation where you're signing and letting go, go a guy every single week, it would also make sense. And I think all of this goes, it is no one reason. It's just accumulation of different things, but I don't, at the running back position and the pounding those guys take, especially with the body type of like a Jarek McKinnon, he's not going to handle 20 carries. Not that any running back for the Chiefs ever get 20 carries in a game, but those guys get banged up, they get hit. And if Ronald Jones is going to be better than anyone they could find, and you know, you're going to need snaps from somebody else um, coming out of the backfield. It makes sense in that regard. If, Maddie, to your point, the taking of the coaching and that he started to fall in. And we know he has the athletic ability. We know he has the ability to run away from people um, that we've seen from Jarek McKinnon. Hopefully see from Isaiah Pacheco. We know he has the speed to do it. I just haven't seen it at this level yet. But it's the one knock on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who we expect, and I talked about it with Nate, still expect Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to finish as the Chiefs' leading rusher. But running away from defensive backs for these you know, 30, 40, 50-yard gains has not been something we've seen from him. Maybe we see it now. He's a little bit more healthy. Maybe we see him run away from guys, but it wasn't a huge part of his game at LSU either. And so in that regard, chasing from behind, injuries can happen. I understand the Ronald Jones thing, especially we wanted to see it. We talked about it on the postgame show. We just wanted to see him get some carries and show some kind of success to where that, not that we are all super optimistic about what he was going to be able to bring, uh, but felt good when they made that signing. Like that's a solid signing uh, at this point in the running back position to have that guy in that room. Uh, you know, we're looking at the wide receiver position now, and I think the the only big surprise, I would say, at the, you know, for the 53-man roster projections, like the biggest one for sure, but Darius Fountain on the outside looking in, um, you know, five, the Chiefs are keeping five receivers. Justin Watson is the fifth receiver. I think that was absolutely, undoubtedly the, the correct move there. Uh, he has some special teams experience, plenty of special teams experience in his um, in his NFL career. Um, I think that potentially made Darius Fountain expendable, although I could see him being a guy they look to add back onto the 53 main roster after the dust settles here a little bit, Maddie. I think he'd be a guy they want to get to the practice squad so they can bring him up throughout the year as they need him, kind of like they started last year doing. I, the five wide receiver move is very surprising to me, especially when you know that you're only going to have at least right now, three healthy tight ends. I think that's where it really catches me off guard is the chiefs are only having you know, three tight ends plus five wide receivers. That's not a ton of pass catching options compared to what most NFL teams are going to carry. If it was, you know, your, if Blake Bell was healthy, it would make more sense. You might see heavier personnel. You might not need to be as deep at wide receiver. So it definitely shocking. 
I think seeing Fountain get cut, I think that almost guaranteed, we talked, I hinted at it earlier, that meant Chris LeMans was making this team 100%. Like there's two of your starting special teamers from the preseason. There was no chance they were going to lose both of them. So no Fountain kind of locked that in. Surprising, but I think to Kent's point, I don't know if that's a huge knock to the Chiefs. I think Fountain's a good special teams player. I don't know if he's a Marcus Kemp or Chris LeMans level guy from the way Dave Tobe sees it, just based on how he's talked about those guys and who got kept on the team over all these years. Before we get to the offensive line to, to wrap up uh, this show, breaking down the roster, and we appreciate everybody who's commenting, everybody who's liked and subscribed, please go ahead and continue to do that. We appreciate your support. Um, but looking at the roster, I know I saw a comment when we first started that somebody projected Justin Watson at 400 yards and five touchdowns, or it was 500 yards and four touchdowns. It was one of the two. Guys, where do you see Justin Watson fitting in with this team offensively, and how quickly has he emerged as a guy that you could count on before training camp to where we sit right here today? I think he's a viable threat, and I, you know, we talked about some of the routes that he was running you know, from the slot, some of those deep crosses, the slice route. He's a guy with that linear speed, enough strength to break, con- make, break through contract, contact at the line of scrimmage and want to run away from guys. I think that specific linear trait is something that's extremely valuable. Showed some ability to track the football, catch athletically away from his frame, um, you know, make adjustments to the ball. Like, There's a lot of positive traits that I think that have shown themselves to this point. That I think there's there's a role for him to play a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. Do I think he's going to be a target monster, or a, a huge, um, you know, contributor on the offensive side? No, but I think there's a role for him. I think he's going to be valuable. Real quick, uh, let's jump to the offensive line. Real quick, one quick surprise. Uh, no, not, not a ton of interior line I th- uh, alignment. I think that there is a chance that we could see the the chiefs going out and making a claim on an interior offensive lineman once the dust dust clears i also hey i darian Kennard might be time to start looking to play along the interior of the offensive line too those were kind of my takeaways i don't know if you guys have any other thoughts outside of that on the offensive line uh but that's kind of where that's kind of where i sat they must feel pretty good about Nick Allegretti being able to play either guard spot or center. And they, they should, you know, he's been around long enough. He's played all those spots to them. So they must feel really good about him being the backup for all three of those spots. And I think that kind of helps cover some of your interior offensive line woes add on the fact that Darian Kennard can maybe jump in there if need be, if they have the time, Austin Ryder should be available for the practice squad. I think he was on a practice squad last year. So it's not like there were teams knocking down his door. But in terms of offensive line, the, the only the other thing I got to say about that, go see what Alex Leatherwood's up to. Like, I know that he busted for mm-hmm. the Raiders. But like, there's that is the one clear guy that I think 31 of the other NFL teams should be looking at. But I think the Chiefs situation with Andy Heck as the O-line coach, I think the fit makes a lot of sense. I think he's the kind of coach that could maximize him. So bring him in, whether you want to play him at guard or tackle. Like, I think that is the one player. If I got to choose one guy that you should bring in or at least try to, he would be the first on the list. And like I said, most teams will probably be trying to get a first round level offensive tackle get in free agency after one year. But still, if that would be like the one move the Chiefs could make, I think that would go a long way. Yeah, I saw a report the Chiefs were planning or hoping to bring back Austin Ryder to the practice squad. And then the Prince, uh, Tega Wanago, I mean, that's a Kent. We talked about him during the postgame show. A little surprised to see him, um, but would have been the, one of those bubble guys uh, if they wanted to keep an extra tackle. If you don't feel comfortable with, about what you see around the league and guys who might get released outside of uh, Matty, the guy you were just talking about in Leatherwood. But uh, that was the one that, when you look at the offensive lines, a little bit surprising. Uh, hopefully they can get Ryder back, a guy with veteran experience, a 
could be on the practice squad if they need him. Uh, but yeah, I, you're always looking for offensive linemen. The initial 53-man roster has been set. Any changes that happen between now and the live laboratory <laughs> at 8 p.m. tomorrow, we will be breaking down uh, any changes that happen. We are so excited for football season to start. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure you don't miss anything we've got going on at KCSN because there's a lot of it. Thanks, everyone, for watching this. We'll be back uh, throughout the week, and we'll catch you later.